Today on Authority Optional, Leadership Beyond the Rulebook, we talk about tropes, cliches, and TOS, tired old shit. These are the things that our big dumb companies, or BDCs as we like to call them, have us do repeatedly that don't really have any measurable results, things that people say on repeat that don't really have any benefit. And you know what, quite frankly, we like to ask if you have any of these things that are your favorites or and I say favorite sarcastically, send them to us at authorityoptionalpodcast at gmail.com because we'd want to hear yours too. Just trying to make your life easier. Appreciate that. That's nice of you. I like it when people make my life easier. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would not like that. I even try to take care of my future self by little things like parking backwards. It's taking care of my future self. As long as you're not one of those people that pulls in and then pulls through to the other parking spot while I'm trying to pull into it. God. I absolutely do that, but <clears throat> not when somebody's trying to pull in. All right. So I figured today we would tackle a subject that I at least used to love going on a tear about. Uh, so you, if you've clicked on this, you've seen the title and... Hopefully I was able to get an apostrophe, not an apostrophe, an accent mark in there. Tropes, cliches, and TOS. What is TOS? What a great question. I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) Tired old shit. That's what TOS is. And it covers a lot of ground. But basically it's anything that has been done for a long time because of pluralistic ignorance, because of inherited cultures, because of BDCs, big dumb companies, if you're new to the podcast, there are things that companies just make everybody do regardless of actual productive impact. We'll get into that. But I, I, uh, I wanted to start with um, tropes and cliches. I had to look up trope, the word, because I was like, I'm pretty sure I know what it means. <laughs> Am I using this word right? Yeah, I, that that strikes me every once in a while. And I'm like, I, I want to make sure that I am using it right. But there's usually a reason when a doubt crops up in my head. And so when I looked it up, the actual definition is like figurative or metaphor. And I thought, well, crap, I'm not using it right. <laughs> but then I scrolled down a little further and it said common use of trope. And it said essentially something that is... It, it means more of what I think it means, which is essentially an abused phrase. Let me see if I still have it pulled up here. Uh, figure of speech, a common or overused theme or device cliche. That's how I mean trope. And so you can find this on Google. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to today's sponsor, Trope Vodka. High quality <laughs> vodka for those who don't care about quality or whether or not it's really vodka. But it will get you drunk. Have a good day. Holy crap, we would like to be sponsored. If there's an actual trope vodka out there, <laughs> we will uh, we will happily sling your product. That's hilarious. Anybody else, by the way, too. Like give I, us a call. I think there's one other thing that we should we should probably throw out based on the fact that we won't release a, a, a cast next week is technically from you know in the in the ether of time, which you know I think is, I think we timeless. release one. You want to release one? Yeah, for I think Thanksgiving. we can, because, okay. I mean, it'll be on Tuesday. Okay, well, regardless of that, uh, right. Merry Christmas, because this episode will be coming out the week of Christmas, oh. four, four weeks down the line. Okay, yeah. If you're listening to this and we've timed everything appropriately, Merry yeah. Christmas, everybody. Yeah, it should, this should be the week of Christmas, five weeks from now. All right, fantastic. Good call. 
Way to be ahead of things. <laughs> Just trying to make your life easier. And again, much appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll find a theme today when we talk about things like tropes and, and tired old shit that the way that we tackle that might be to make things easier. Yeah. Let's... That's really what we're about. <laughs> Seriously, I, I have a deep love and affinity for efficiency. It's just almost everything. I don't know if anybody's ever done this. There's this thing out there called human design. It's it's akin to astrology, but I found it oddly accurate. I don't put a lot of stock into stuff like that, but it's got its place. It's fun. It's entertaining. Anyway, it just sort of confirmed my whole life's mission of being... It's not necessarily that I'm a great inventor, but I am always after polishing something down to its smoothest and most streamlined version. That's maximizer to a T. Yes. That's one of your top five strengths. Absolutely. One of my top five. All right, but let's, let's dive in. Cause I, I, uh, I want to get into this. There are things that are said and I'd be curious listeners, if you want to throw out your favorite ones, send us an email and and toss out your most favorite ones. Authority optional podcast at gmail.com. Thank you. My top three. Number three. We'll start start at the bottom. I actually started to try to make a list and I was just like, I think I've blocked out a lot of them because I hated them so much with the fiery passion of a thousand suns. Number three. Inspect what you expect. It is said so, so much by all people up at the top, sweets. Oh, you never heard this? I have never heard that phrase. Oh, Maybe that's because I've had good leaders who protected me from BS. <laughs> you may not have heard any of these because by the time you came around, I was barring, I was banning these these things. For you, If I see any of these in emails, I will come for you. <laughs> so this will be interesting. I'll probably have experienced them with a different name. Perhaps. So number one, number three, inspect what you expect. What garbage. It just, it's, it's any of these things are usually things that either lead or, or punctuate an email from some leader, some regional, whoever that is just sort of like reminding you how to do your job. If you're a leader, yes, of course, this is all of these categories fall into the no duh, (laughs) somewhere between no duh and no shit. Expect what you expect. Sure. You expect somebody to show up at work, though. How do you inspect that? You know, because you're looking at them or you have a phone call with them or you see their email come in or whatever. Anyway, that's it's not the worst by a long stretch. Uh, Coming in at number two, sharing is caring. (sighs) If you have to remind somebody that sharing is caring... Perhaps you don't actually care. Yeah. Or how about you don't overstep and you you go with my analogy, which is invite them to walk through the emotional door. And if they say no, that's okay too. I just got, I got countless emails from somebody who was forwarding something that they thought was useful. And the only thing they could think to write in the body of the email was sharing is caring, usually associated with a little smiley emoticon. It almost sounds like an excuse for them to talk about things. Don't say anything. If you have nothing to say, say nothing. Just forward it. We understand why you're sending it to us. We understand by nature of receiving this thing from you that we had not gotten from anywhere else <laughs> that you are being thoughtful enough to share this with us as in the hopes that it may be useful. We get it. 
you don't need to add your catchphrase every time you share something. And it's rampant. It, I could not believe how many emails I got forwarded from some other source with sharing is caring. Like, knock it off, man. <laughs> like I said, if you have nothing to say, don't say anything at all. It's fine. Silence is okay. Blank pages are okay. And number one, coming in at number one with a bullet, let's make it happen. Let's make what happen? What exactly are we making it happen? It is used like a battle cry. If you need a battle cry, say this is Sparta. Don't tell me let's make it happen because you don't even know what you what it is. You don't even know what you're saying. You're just it's it's just a thing to be like to to be like a rallying cry. Knock it off. Don't say the same shit over and over. And partially because I'm very sensitive to repetition. And that means I can't possibly be the only one. But also don't open your mouth if you don't have something to say. That's that's just a good rule for all of us. It's certainly a good rule for me. What are your favorites? You got any? I, I think it, it really comes back to the context of what you're talking about with the different cliches. Uh, you don't have to send in a weekly email for the sake of an email. If you don't have anything to share, we don't need one more email. No. Or one more, one more meeting with no agenda where we all show up with blank stares and we talk about nothing because there actually was not a need for a meeting. We didn't need to have a discussion around but the one that's gotten me in the last couple of years is the phrase, uh, well, this is the way we've always done it. Mm. That's because mm. I was in a, in a newer position, but I was also tasked to innovate and streamline. And, you know, I think some of the commonality of the team that we had with you was this fact that we, we volunteered for any streamlining project, anything where we could come in and we had the ability to influence how things were going to get done and become more efficient. We were all over that stuff because I don't think I have a, like a catchy phrase for these kind of things, but I, I, you know, one example from working for a large tech company they decided to do a SharePoint project and they were going to reorganize SharePoint. They didn't ask for any input. There were no focus groups. There was somebody at a managerial level who took it on as a project because they wanted to be shiny. They it's, wanted, they wanted to be the shiny peanut in the turd. It's very ill. Oh. <laughs> we should cut that out. I guess God. they, they wait, really wait, hold on real quick. This is very common in BDCs. Big we're going to overhaul this thing, but we're not going to ask the people that it impacts the most. Yeah. And it wasn't about streamlining or making things easier. It was about having a project. I'm all for having a project. I've led many projects. I've also had instances where I was the voice in the room of the project that was like, we don't need to do anything with this except axe this and streamline this. Because we didn't need to make changes and move everything. We literally had an instance where somebody did a SharePoint project. They reshuffled everything. They renamed everything in the files and then presented it to us and said, this is going to go live in 48 hours. And I spent the next six months in sales distribution trying to find all the things that I used every day because all the muscle memory from the past four years was gone. Mm -hmm. And, you know. That's great that you're good with flow charts and you like to do this type of thing, but was it needed? Nobody ever asked us if it was needed. They just simply went ahead and, and did something for the sake. Was it needed and was it effective? Did it, did it achieve the desired result? And was, if you just scrambled a bunch of people for the next five weeks, 
I would say nay. Yeah. <laughs> Not effective. And then the other one is this idea of, and, and when you get into a mindset where it really isn't about the tropes or the cliches or doing it the old way, which is the old shit, when it's about finding a better way to do things and finding not not shortcuts, but creating things where you're not duplicating work or you're not creating backlogs for other people, creating work for others. And these ideas where you would come in and it's like, well, you know, I can see a clear path here on how we could do X and Y and Z. Well, that's not the way we do things. And, and in this instance that I'm thinking of, it was literally the way that they did things was they hired an outside agency, did a contract with them, the paperwork and the bid for that's four to six months typically, unless it was under a certain threshold of dollars. Otherwise, it had to go to bid because this was a public agency. And it was the, the scenario where they would hire somebody from the outside to conduct a study to see if what you were talking about was necessary. In that six-month window all of the funding that we could use to actually do the project. And these are experts in their field. They know dang well what's going to work and what's not going to work by instinct because it's their daily in and out. We don't need to hire somebody to come in and do a case study. We need to sit down and do work. And if it's process of elimination, is that our own case study? So wasting money, wasting a ton of time and yeah, that, that's, you know, the idea of what you're talking about where you love streamlining things. That's Maximizer to a T. Not building something from scratch and the frustration that comes from building something out of the brand new. But if there's something that's working pretty well, but maybe there's a couple of gaps in it, Maximizers will take that thing and crush it and make it the most streamlined process that they know how. You start blending in teams with other strengths. And uh, yeah, it was great to have a maximizer as a leader because it was even even sometimes to the point of just fix this. <laughs> it can be better. I know it can be better. Some of you are uh, everybody smarter than me in some form or fashion. Yeah. Like, let's figure this out. So that takes us nicely into the, the third category, which is tired old shit. So these are these are things that have always been done and you you actually already said the catchphrase. You will always hear behind tired old shit, this is how it's always been done. Or this is how we do things. I won't say that that doesn't have its place. There is a, like, for instance, we had involved radical transparency in our team, and I, I would tell somebody this is how we do things. So it's got its place. But it also it also is a a hill or a shield behind which people hide when they don't want to be bothered to tax their brain for another method of doing something, a way that could be better. Or or you're cutting into their territory and they're offended because this is their turf. As a matter of fact, a mutual friend of ours joined our team and he had he was he was a self-proclaimed entrepreneur, which was an introduction to that word for me. And it was great. I loved hearing about it. He's like, I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not gonna create something out of whole cloth and build this empire by myself. He's like, but I am an entrepreneur. I will come into a structure and I will find ways to make it better. And it was like, you belong on my team because yeah. that is, ex I'm all about that life. The problem was, and, and this is very much to the point that you just mentioned, is that he would, in meetings, he would encounter something that didn't seem at its most efficient or at its best possible iteration. And he would go, this is stupid. <laughs> and if you ever listen to this <laughs> podcast, he knows who he is. <laughs> and we, 
I, eventually I got enough, you know, looks, steely glares, side comments, you know, people coming to me after the meetings and whatnot. And so, of course, when people are coming to me after the meeting, I would say, well, when are you going to talk to him? Because I'm not going to be the only person that tells him. But we did. We had a conversation and I said, listen, man, you can challenge ideas in this group all day long. He was new to the team and he'd been in plenty of teams and he was very used to being abrasive and direct and honest with people he'd gotten really far in a lot of jobs with it. It, you know, and he just was one of those guys that can pull it off. It's not to say he didn't step on toes. It's not to say that people were never pissed off at him, but he did, he, you know, he's regional manager in some cases for certain banks he'd worked with. So I had this conversation with him. like, you're allowed to challenge everything we do. I'm not kidding. Every single thing we do, every process, every idea, I welcome your challenge. However, you might consider your approach and how it could change. Because if you say that's stupid, there might be somebody at this table who came up with that idea. And what you're really saying is they're stupid for coming up with this thing. Of course, that's not true. I know that's not what you mean, but we're all, we all have some ownership over something. If we create something and it works, we might have a little pride wrapped up into it and some new jackass comes along and goes, well, that's stupid. You don't, you're not usually thinking calm, kind thoughts about that. <laughs> I'd rather have somebody get curious and say, help me understand why we do this this way. And I'm, you know, this is the classic from what was it last week, the week before we talked about hole punchers and, and that caveat of actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. <clears throat> That caveat of you have to say like, hey, you know, I'm I'm seeing something here that doesn't quite line up with with the way I would work. Yeah, that's stupid. Is um, well, he actually not the best. It's not the best. He he came in with that stupid, and that was pretty much how he treated everything that he did not think was optimal. And I challenged him to eradicate it from his vocabulary, and by God, he did. Yeah, and and I know exactly who you're talking about, and this person is. (laughs) highly organized, very detail oriented and hates duplication and wasting time. Probably one of the most efficient individuals in the management sphere I've ever known. That's, one, that's why he's one of my soulmates. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it, uh, it, it really is, um, something that's important. You know, we're constantly with this podcast trying to give people tools. One of the tools is if you don't like the way somebody is doing it, you need to approach them in a way that's constructive because you want to influence them and get them on your side, make sure they know you're on theirs. All you're trying to do is make their lives easier. To your to an earlier point that you said, the best way to get into something is via a question, an honest, sincere, and exploratory question. Help me understand why we do this thing. And also, would you be open to other ideas on how to do this thing in case it might be optimized? And this is a the person we're talking about is a character who would have been like, hell yes, I'm interested. You think there's a better way to do this than what we're already doing? It's already been streamlined streamlined to the best of my ability. Hell yeah, I'm all ears. So that was a bit of a chicken walk, but that's that's how to fight TOS is ask questions, including the seeking to understand something and would they be open to and nice, big, broad, open-ended questions. Yeah. Explore. Find out as much data as you can and work with the person. If you go in guns blazing telling everybody this is a stupid idea – you're going to quickly get eaten by the wolf pack. <laughs> yeah. But this is, a, I think, a good opportunity as well to talk about if you're a frontline manager and you know 
sometimes you're going to be in a situation where as a frontline manager or as a leader of leaders, even a new manager and some of those those lumps and the growing pains that they're going to have. But specifically, if you're the manager of a frontline employee, I can see a lot of instances and I love talking about this. You have somebody who's been in college recently or has come into the job role recently with a completely different set of skills because maybe they're under the age of 25. They have a different perspective. They've probably gone through classes that have used the most up-to-date tools in a lot of cases. And you need to pay attention when people who have information that you don't talk to you It's a great coaching moment to walk them through if they're like, well, this is stupid. There's way easier ways to do this. They're going to have insights. They're going to have their own ideas and they're a goldmine because if you take a new employee with fresh ideas and give them permission to take the old shit and sink it and create something new that's more streamlined, you know, what what better way to engage employees than to take their strength and the things they know and actually set them loose on something with a task of making it easier for everybody. Oh, yes, yeah. I'm getting sweaty. It gets, well, I was gonna say it gives you chills. Like, but it, but the whole premise is you you have to educate people sometimes on their approach. So let's. I want to dive in a little bit on uh, TOS. There there were some favorites, and I use that word very sarcastically <laughs> that I had. One of them was something would go wrong and the regional manager, again, we're going to call him Ronnie. (laughs) Ronnie would send an email to his leaders who would then send to their leaders, which is roughly about my level. And it always demanded answers. Immediately. Immediately. Like within, within 60 minutes. What's happening? What are you doing about it? What actions are you taking? And the only way that I felt comfortable asking my team to give me information about what was happening, which was again, a day-to-day thing. Now, granted, I'm going to, I'm going to give Ronnie a little bit of credit here. His bosses are probably demanding answers, but there's something seems to be going on with the calls. Ronnie, tell us, tell us what's going on. Well, Ronnie's way too far removed from the phone calls to, to have any clue as what's happening. So I'll give him a little bit of credit that he, he does have to ask some questions. What he does not have to do is ask a region full of people for what amounts essentially to dozens of emails. But of course he wants them all funneled into one. So he's going to task one person with organizing the information. This poor bastard has to take dozens of emails that are all saying the same thing and funnel it into a single email so that he can go to his bosses and so on and so forth. And inevitably uh, for us, it was, we've talked about one that happened. It, It was the first or second day of a month Imagine that the first day of a month is on a Sunday and you're closed and on the second or the third because it was a Saturday or a Sunday. This is a bank and the numbers are down and it just happens to be, you know, right after a holiday weekend and a new month is starting. People are concerned with why they can't pay their mortgage or where did the money go or whatever because they don't understand how holidays work. And it doesn't matter how many holidays go by. (laughs) Thousands of people don't understand how it works. And and so you get this email 911. 
which I know that ma- mm. <laughs> Max Max literally just flexed on the other side of the hate it the, the hate table. It. There's no such thing as a 911 in a <laughs> bank unless you were being robbed or somebody's He's dying. Dying blood <laughs> blood is is a requirement. Right. The only two emergencies in a bank. Stop calling this a 911. All right. But it I'm was it was now. always hilarious because it was always that type of a scenario. Um, the other ones I can think of major systems change. One time, all of a sudden, the the call levels were fine. Call levels were normal. Handle time was like less than two minutes nationwide because we couldn't help anybody because the GUI system crashed because they implemented something and the software failed. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, 911, what's going on? It seems like we're just burning through calls. What's happening today? And well, your stuff's broken. Like, Like, just pay attention. Go read a couple of other emails. You don't need to put... Oh, good Lord. Uh, I'm ballparking this. Uh, at least 10,000 managers between both regions. That's probably. I think there were 10,000 teams, right? No, there are 10,000 employees. employees. And the, so that, I mean, if you divide that basically by 20, we're talking more like, what is that? 2,000? Online customer terrible. service was 550 teams. It was thousands of teams. It wasn't thousands of teams, it was, but it's close. I mean, it, it was certainly was over a thousand teams. Anyway, the point is, your point is we're putting 10, hundreds, maybe a thousand, maybe more people to work on the same thing when if they just check the same resources that we have access to, which says your systems are down, read system down scripts to the clients. Well, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm leading an entire call center organization from one of the largest banks in the world... I probably could just go, um, yeah, it's the first day of a month after a holiday weekend. It's always slow. Go look at last year and look at the numbers for last year. You will see it's a normal trend. It happens every year. I remember getting the same phone calls for the same holidays four or five years in a row working at the bank. And it, you would think that after being there for 15 or 20 years that those individuals would just know they would just expect it's going to be a slower day. Look at your previous year forecasts. You would think. So I started to say earlier and then I got sidetracked about uh, how I handled it with my team. So these these kinds of requests would come down the line and I would send the email begrudgingly to my leaders. And the way that we coded it so that everybody could at least get a chuckle out of this nonsensical activity was, all right, guys, we're being asked why X, Y, Z is happening Please provide me some TOS. And my hope was that everybody had something that they could just copy and paste into an email because my answer was always the same. We're doing what we always do. We're kicking ass. We're taking care of customers. We're doing it as efficiently as possible. We're minding the P's and Q's and obeying the regulations. We're doing what we always do. We're not doing a damn thing different. You don't need an email from me. That's another thing about reactionary uh, email strings rolling downhill there were often times where we weren't suffering from the same issue because we were very high level performing teams mm-hmm. and we shouldn't have even been asked because we simply would <laughs> reply, I don't know what you're talking about. My numbers are great. Thanks. Yeah. Like literally like, Hey, I'm my, here's where I'm at. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing the 25 or 30% drop off that everybody else is. <laughs> People go out for the holiday weekend. They're a little slow coming in. I don't, Oh, anyway, by the the time I worked for the last leader that I was going to work for in that place, I had a pretty much a pre-programmed speech down when they took over my teams 
and they're like, what do you need from me as a leader? <laughs> and I'd say, um, I need to be treated a little special yeah. because my teams will carry all of the weight for your organization. Promise. You can look at my track record. I've been carrying the weight for my leader's organization for years. So what I want from you is a little special treatment, not favoritism per se, but <laughs> the leave me alone variety. <laughs> I want the leave me alone variety of special treatment. If you're supposed to ask all of your teams what this thing is, if you get a very brief email from me, I don't want any shit from you about it because you know that we're taking care of the work. We, you know, and again, I will prove it to you. I will be on the shadow of a doubt. You can follow the performance. I just want to be left alone. Jace, basically speaking. This is a great opportunity too to talk about shielding teams. So, you know, one of the things that we share as, as core principles is protect the tribe. Mm -hmm. So this is one of those ideas where I have the capacity to pull up my team's numbers and look at them. I am very rarely, unless they're, you know, and it, it has happened where I don't know what's happening and it doesn't make sense. And you, you go out and you do, you ask your team more often than not, just like leaders above us, where we really didn't need to ask the question, look at some data, surmise what's happening. Look at a past year report, maybe look at the last two or three, if you have access to it and respond and don't even mention it to your team. Because the minute that you come to a, a high-performing team and be like, hey, the entire country is in the dump right now and they want to know what's going on, they're going to start looking for what's wrong. I don't want that in their head of what's broken or what's wrong. Now, when it's software or when it's, you know, the my, my one of my favorite stories where they implemented some sort of practice, gave us 24 hours to train on it, and it turned out that it was exposing us to SEC violations and the entire teams were like, we, we can't do this. Like, I can't say this. It's, it's completely opposed to the regulation. Mm -hmm. And we had to push that back up and, and, uh, and things get cut. The whole idea behind this is protecting your teams from these types of things and creating the environments where they can thrive and grow and they can see it for themselves. They can streamline things creating the safe spaces that we've talked about, excuse me, the psychologically, um, psychological, psychological safety, safety. Yeah. by creating psychological safety where they can anticipate in a training two weeks early and speak up. And you don't have to call out an individual. You can say, Hey, several people on my team while we were going through the training recognized X has this been considered and push it up the chain before things even happen. All of these things are in the best interest of a company if you really want to go there, it's in the best interest of the shareholders of a company. Mm -hmm. And you're really looking out for each other while doing a great job in streamlining projects for the sake of projects. Eh. Projects that actually eliminate unnecessary steps of work for you, for your team, for an entire site or for an entire division. These are things that are worth your time and worthwhile in really buckling down on and spending some some brain hours on because even though you may have a special project and it may take several months, the back end of that is you just saved hundreds of man and woman hours, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars over the next 365 days and however many years that that particular thing is 
the best that it can be until somebody, somebody comes, comes along, along. Yeah. and says, this is stupid. Yeah, there's a better, yeah, there's a better way. <laughs> uh, this applies, and I want to encourage the caller to the caller. Let me start over. This applies to a great many things beyond emails or shoddy projects or whatever. It can apply to things that you're asked to do on a regular basis. And I want to encourage the audience to take a look at the things that you're asked to do for your job by your BDC, if you work for one, and ask yourself really what is the value of the thing that I've been asked to do? Is there maybe a better way? And I will give you an example. And this might be an area where you and I diverge. But one of the things that when you're in a contact center, and I only worked for one contact center, but I'm pretty sure this is a very common behavior, a common thing to be asked for, is certain activities to coach the people who are on the phones. One of those things is called a side-by-side, at least that's what we call it. That means you take your own headphones, you walk over to their desk, you sit down next to them, and you plug in. Classic. And you listen to them take calls in real time. And so you are sitting there, breathing down their neck. That's what they feel. Whether you think that or not, you are sitting there over their shoulder while they're doing their job. If, if you have employees in a call center and you ask about micromanaging someone, this is the image that comes into their mind. This will be the very first thing that comes up. I got to a point where I, despite the fact that I was being asked for a certain number per team, per person, per month, whatever. I absolutely refused. And I got, thankfully, (laughs) to a point where I could tell my leaders, no. Did you get treated a little bit special? I did. (laughs) I did in this case. It took a lot of work. In some cases, it took a little obfuscation. But eventually, it got to the point where I just admitted it. Like, we're not doing this. And they're like, what do you mean? You're not, you're not doing side-by-sides? Like, I haven't done side-by-sides for two years. But you you told me you're doing side-by-sides. Like, yeah, I know. I told you what you wanted to hear. Were you getting the results that you wanted? Well, yeah, you're leading the nation. No, I'm leading the world. But yes, I, I told you. I apologize for lying, if that's what you want to call it. But I have not engaged in this activity, nor have I asked my team to engage in this activity for two years. Let me caveat by saying that... That doesn't mean I, I outruled it for them. It doesn't mean that I told them they couldn't do side-by-sides because, and this is, might be where you might chime in with a disagreement, it has its place. I can accept that it has its place. I personally, when I was direct line, frontline manager, never, ever needed to do a side-by-side. I would only use side-by-sides when someone needed, needed a certain kind of motivation. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. All right. <clears throat> I think side by sides are good and the, and there is a caveat and it is when. So when somebody is brand new and they don't know their way around the systems efficiently, we've had great success in onboarding programs where you have somebody who knows exactly what they're doing sitting side by side as a crutch. They're there to help. They are not there in the capacity to see what you are doing, what you are doing wrong. They will give feedback, but it's absolutely necessary because you are in quadrant one. You don't know what you don't know, and you need that level of assistance in order to just become more efficient at your job. We're talking about onboarding, coaching, in training, sitting with people, helping get them efficient. Once they are efficient, I can have those conversations in my one-on-one by listening to a call, 
not intimidating them, not creating anxiety on the floor, not creating a lack of trust, not creating a scenario where people feel like they're micromanaged. I can just listen to a call. And when they come in for their one-on-one, I can go, hey, I got a call. Three, four, five minutes. I'm going to play back this one section. Here's what we've been working on. Here's where you used it. This, this call sounded really solid. Here's a couple of calls where you didn't use it. So continuing to encourage to become more efficient at said processes. I don't even want to call it that. Just becoming more efficient at how you do the job and how you really, what I used to say was getting on the same side of the table as a customer. Yeah. So in those instances where you're on the opposite end is where someone is able to do the work and they do have the skill set and you have sat next to them and they have displayed that they can and then you go back and you listen to calls and they don't unless you're sitting next to them this is a whole different animal because you have that skill will issue you have somebody where maybe it's not a good job fit and again going back to some of our first episodes it is perfectly acceptable for someone to simply not be a fit for a job and to help them find something better It doesn't mean that you have to work them out of the business. It means you may have to ask some hard questions and help them work into a role that better suits what they want to do if they aren't able to, you know, be amicable, be be nice, use good tone, whatever the case may be. Whatever it is, if they can't remember regulatory stuff, that can be rough. That can be different because quality assurance is one of those things that (laughs) there's a fine line. And if you cross it, you're too big of a risk, right? But you have to have those conversations and you have to be open and you have to be transparent. Those are the only real two times where I I think side-by-sides are merited. Right at the beginning when you don't know what you're doing and towards the end where you absolutely know what you're doing but you're just choosing not to or it's just not a good fit. So what I would encourage everybody in our audience, all four of you, Shout out to our uh, Brussels and Belgium listener. Thanks, man. I want an email. I want an email from Belgium. You're our number one fan and and we want to know you. Yeah. Send us an email. Tell us how you found us and what you like about it or don't like about us. Maybe you're listening to go, God, these guys are idiots. (laughs) So what I would encourage the audience is just take the, the example that's being provided and ask yourself, is there an opportunity for you to revisit something that you've been asked to do that maybe you know instinctively doesn't really have a, a place as something that is rote and done weekly, monthly, daily, whatever, and just see, listen, I, I know this is going to sound, see if you can get away with not doing it. Side by sides, the reason that I, I did not require my leaders to do them and the reason why I was willing to absolutely defend them from having to do them is because this activity makes people behave because you're sitting there. The minute you walk away, the weight is going to be released from their shoulders and they're going to go right back to doing whatever comes natural, which is why I only ever asked my people, listen to a bunch of calls. You're going to like, I would like to, you pick the number, whatever you think makes sense to you, whether that is three per month or 20 per month, what it best based on where that person on the phones, where their competence lies, where their skills are, However comfortable, it could be zero. I don't care. Pick a number that makes sense to you as long as you're getting the results that you either want or expect to see. And then you listen to their calls that are already pre-recorded, and then you have a conversation with them about how those calls went. You even you have them listen to everybody almost universally hates to listen to themselves. <laughs> so that can be an incentive. If you're not doing the things 
that I have suggested that you do to improve your calls and your service to your customers, guess what we're going to do? We're going to listen and you're going to hate every second of it. I, I literally just thought of two more uh, reasons why I, I would use side-by-sides. A new person listening to a fantastic representative or somebody who's great at their job in any capacity that's, whether it okay. was that's a shadowing thing, though, shadowing that's job not what, shadowing that was job shadowing. yeah it's not side by side yeah um and then coaching peer coaching uh, and there are relationships on the floor people who want to help if somebody comes uh, we used it a lot but typically it was because somebody said hey you know we've been talking about x so and so was really good at it would you be comfortable with having them sit just listen. They're not going to interfere in the call, but they're going to listen. And then at the end of the call, you just sit on hold for 30 seconds and they'll give you a few pointers you might try on the next one. That was usually pretty popular because they knew they were helping somebody else grow in a coaching capacity. They were friends. They knew who was good at what on the floor. little different, but it can still, some people just makes them grossly uncomfortable. Yeah. So when I'm saying that the, the activity that I did not require my people to do is what the company thought of when they said side by sides, which is you, the supervisor sitting with your employee and looming over them while they took their mm. calls. The, the, everything, everything that you just described does don't to me fall into the category of side by side and certainly did not by the company standards that they didn't even know we were doing some of that stuff. And again, one of the reasons that we were so effective is because we thought outside of the box. I'll give you another example that I hated. They would call this coach the coach. So now we're going to take a side-by-side and we're going to add an extra layer of leadership. So you are plugged into one of your, one of your bankers, one of your employees listening to their calls. I, as your leader, am also plugged in and I'm listening to their call just like you are. And then I'm listening to you coach them about their call. And then you and I walk over to your desk and then I coach you about how you coached them. Everybody just, just take a second. Yeah, I'm literally, I'm going <laughs> to refrain that, from responding immediately. Uh, you, by the time you came along on my team, I don't think you ever experienced a coach the coach. <clears throat> Did you? Yep. The banker coaches. That's not the, uh, listen, you can't go, well, we had this version of it. No, 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 no. I just described to you exactly what the company expected. Oh, you never experienced okay. a coach the coach. Let me let me back up then and explain to the listeners what I was just talking about. Okay. So we we had a specialized group called banker coaches. They were leaders on the floor. Their job when when we weren't crazy busy and they were on the phones, their job at least 50% of the time by the way the job was structured was to be coaching others, listening, helping, doing some of the things with one of the those new, versions you described. Yeah. With, the, with new folks. And there were instances where the banker coach manager would plug in and listen to that coach giving feedback because the whole point of that role was these were the 15 to 20 people we were developing to be the next line of leaders. They were the most likely to progress to the next step because they're, they're bankers just like everybody else, but they are exhibiting a higher level of skill, a higher level of knowledge, yeah. a higher level level of dedication. So then let's back up to the idea of me listening to like my team lead provide coaching to somebody. That never happened. Not in five years. You're damn right. It didn't. Because by the time I had gotten a year or two into the job, I had completely eliminated it. And there was a couple of reasons. Number one, I think our audience could probably uh, agree with this. I'm not as nice and friendly and likable as you. I'm just not. (laughs) I, I know what I'm I know what happens. Like, by the way, I'm short. 
I'm three apples high and it looks like I got a chip on my shoulder. And I I'm have, smiling constantly, but I'm burning inside. Yeah. I have RBF. <laughs> I walk around with a scary look on my face and I knew what I looked like. I, it's not that I, I, you just, at some point, especially when you get into your forties, you just accept who the hell you are. <laughs> and I knew that if I sat down next to some poor banker who was being already being listened to ob- actively observed by their super nice leader also being listened to by this shrimpy Napoleon complex having <laughs> little RBF guy who they know is is their boss's boss they're shitting bricks even even the most confident of agents would be asking the question am i in some sort of trouble am i in trouble Absolutely. and it may literally it may literally be that it's like i've heard you're the best of the best and i want to hear it just listen to one of their calls right. in your office that's recorded. You don't need to you don't need to be here creating stress. You're damn right. That is exactly that was my point was <laughs> I'm not going to go freak somebody out. They're immediately going to think they're in trouble. And I'm also not going to tell them. I mean, I would ask. Let me start over. <laughs> Company, my my leaders, my regionals. Do you want me to tell the banker I have to do this? I'm sorry. I'm required. No, you don't want me telling them that. Today on the PTSD at work wheel, <laughs> the, your leader's leader says, hey, can I talk to you for a minute in my office? <laughs> you get to get observed by two levels of leadership today. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So if you're listening to this, everybody in the sound of my voice, if there is something that doesn't make sense to you, question it. If yeah. you can find a way to not have to do it and still produce the results or get better results by not doing it, fucking do it. Go find a way. <laughs> Go seek a way to get around this thing. You will benefit from it. Let's let's turn this corner fully because, you know, we're, we're constantly trying to find tools that we can give listeners. In this instance, there are maybe there are even managers that are listening to this that have been doing this for four or five years and they're starting to burn out. They're getting to that point of constantly retraining and rehiring and recruitment and not able to develop this culture where, you know, we, we get into some sort of sync with one another. How do you recognize, particularly if you're, you're, if you have some sort of an unconscious bias and you're just defaulting to, well, that's the way we've always done things. How do you recognize when it's TOS? I know the answer to this, but how do I recognize? How do you recognize? How do you how do you recognize that it's TOS? And and how do you recognize the the pain that needs to change? For me, it is the the first time I encounter something that absolutely has no effect. It is immediately suspect. You you send me an email that goes, I need you to. Send an email to all your, I need you to find out from all your leaders what's happening right now. And the first time that happens and I, I go, okay, uh, sure, we'll go. And we gather all the information and then I send you your email and you compile it and nothing changed. You're immediately on the suspicion list for this behavior. Whatever the thing is, you're, as soon as it doesn't work the first time. So effectiveness. Effectiveness. You're being scanned. I, I now... I am watching like a hawk on this behavior. It gets logged. It's not a conscious thing. It just gets socked away in my subconscious. And it's that. It's the not conscious thing. For me, it's the pain that it creates when we're asked to do something and it's like, oh my God. Whether you know that it's going to be fruitless or if it's really, and this is this is the thing to pay attention to, 
if it's just a cumbersome time suck pain in the arse, but it actually does give information that's useful, get together in a room full of people that are smarter than you are and cut their strengths loose on cutting that thing apart and finding a way to do it that's more streamlined, more effective, and then for the love of heaven, please share it with your peers. And then have your peers share it with their peers and do it a different way that's more effective. Show people that it's more effective. This isn't just pie in the sky. We have done this over and over. And I want to I wanna talk about one other thing that I'm pretty passionate about. When we're talking about quality improvement, it does not to be... It does not need to be some giant initiative with some very specific thing that we're targeting. When you recognize things in the day-to-day that are ineffective or that just make you bristle every time you have to do them, if you don't know why they make you bristle, that's where you need to spend your time and ask those questions. There's something in there that could be streamlined, or if you're not good at it, finding a better, more efficient, effective way so that it's shorter and causes you less anxiety at work. And it's the little things over the course of time. I've, I've seen instances of organizations where a quality improvement manager has some very harsh, rigid boxes. It has to be this. You have to do this in order to get time off the phones and, and all these different things to make an impact. You have to show us almost a return on the investment or a business case. And then you have to do it in a very rigid fashion. What's more effective are 365 micro changes that happened over testing and the the push and pull of day to day. 1% increment. 1% increment. At the end of the year, if you have taken small incremental changes that have made impacts of a couple hours here or an hour there, or maybe you did do a larger project that saves you five hours a month. You look at that per individual in an organization and roll that back to a center like the one that we were in with 500 individuals, you may literally have just saved millions of dollars in in a shot by changing a very simple process and rolling some things back, doing a little bit of testing. Don't feel like you have to change the world. Quick summary. Number one, question. Ask, why are we doing this? Be a critical thinker and decide that you need to know more about why we do this thing. And if people cannot answer you satisfyingly, you you kind of already have your... Can you hear the gospel music starting in the background? Yeah, you already, you already know that this is not a useful thing. Number two, and I'm going to use a trope, ironically, <laughs> dare to be different. Do something different than everybody else. And watch, watch as people love that. It's, we all want to step out of the box and do things a little bit. Maybe, maybe not, maybe, maybe not we all, but generally speaking, you're going to get a good ROI as, as we're going to mention, you're going to get a better ROI if you are willing to try things that might get a better result. And then number three, incremental changes. And remember that when you do something, as you are increasing something, 1% difference, Whatever you just added 1% to, the next 1% is actually a bigger amount and then a bigger amount. Every time you add 1%, you're adding 1% to a larger amount and you start getting compound results. And remember, if you're not having any fun, you're doing it wrong. 